3: On the Texas A&M Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue on Harvey Road in College Station. This is the Buzz Williams Show presented by Bud Light. It's for the fans and by Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. Visit Rudy's.com to find real Texas barbecue near you. Now, here is the voice of Texas A&M basketball, Andrew Monaco.
2: season our holiday edition and the last one of 2021 we will look back at saturday's win at oregon state we'll preview the week ahead for texas a&m with a game tomorrow at reed arena and we'll also take your questions whether you're listening all along the texas a&m sports network perhaps streaming on the texas a&m men's basketball facebook page on the 12th man mobile app or on learfield's varsity network app We'll take your questions. We'll talk Aggie basketball for the next hour. We'll do it with the head coach of the Fighting Texas Aggies, Buzz Williams. That's when we return to Rudy. Stay with us. This is Aggie basketball from Learfield. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance wants to give you a VIP Aggie basketball fan experience this year. Go to 12 slash maroon contest and register. One winner and a guest will receive game tickets, hotel accommodations, autographed memorabilia, and more. Register today at 12 slash maroon contest. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance is a proud partner of Texas A&M Athletics. It is the Buzz Williams Show, and we are at Rudy's 504 Harvey Road here in College Station. Still time for you to come down as we talk Aggie basketball for the next hour with the head coach of the in Texas Aggies coming off the 83-73 win at Oregon State. to go on the road, go into a Pac-12 building, get a win, come back home, take on Northwestern State tomorrow, but as Buzz is here, howdy, Coach, how are you?
1: Doing great, how are you? I'm
2: doing great. You said after that game, I saw that. You told the team, that's a bigger win than you realize.
1: I thought it was the best that we had played on many levels. Our first road game, coming off... uh, What I thought was our worst game versus TCU, having a game canceled in the middle, traveling to the other side of the earth (laughs) a day early. So we, we were there two nights in a hotel. I thought our energy was on point from the beginning. I thought the spirit of our guys from beginning to end Collectively, Everybody that was on the bench, I thought we were all pulling in the same direction. Uh, our execution level was distinctly better. in um, the things that we know that we need to be good at. So the reason that I said that I thought that it was bigger than they realized was they knew that they had the right energy. They knew that they had the right spirit but they were also holding themselves accountable to the things that we knew we had to do better. Uh, Eleven turnovers ties our lowest of the year. Thought we played really fluidly offensively. We controlled the glass, which gives us a chance to be better. Um, Yeah, so I, I think a lot of good things happen throughout the week. Um, It was, you know, we were scheduled to play uh, five games in December. That ended up being only our second game. And so, as I keep saying, I think our staff is doing a really good job of figuring out what it is that we need to work on and staying in a narrow lane only of those things. And I think there's been consistency because of our staff there's been some consistency come from our players that were doing the same thing over and over and over. And I thought that that came to life in the game over and over. And, uh, so very encouraged by the whole week, um, how, how we responded from TCU, what we worked on Monday and Tuesday for us to go on the road, a team that was, uh, their record suggest that they're not good. Um, They've had some COVID issues. They've missed some games. They haven't had their all of their guys. Uh, three of their games were one possession, one point games. And then one of those was in overtime to Wake Forest, uh, another one possession game. So that was the first time they had all of their players. They were playing at home. Um, and it was the first time we had been where it was only us uh, other than the couple that tweeted at me. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't see him. I wish I would have introduced myself to him. But, yeah, I, I thought it was a big win for us. You mentioned
2: postgame the number of rebounds for guards. Yes. In that game. Yeah. And the guards took it upon themselves. Not that the bigs didn't rebound. They yep. did their job also. But the guards, when you get that entire buy-in, for lack of a better phrase, that really allows you to win that battle. So
1: we're, we're not big. <coughs> um, but if, if you think of it this way, so if the, um, if the opponent shoots whoever their biggest guy is, mm-hmm. most of the time our biggest guy needs to block out. Whoever their second biggest guy is, our second biggest guy needs to block out. Well, they're not going to send five to the glass. So if they send three to the glass, we have three guys that are, we call it take up space. We have our three guys blocking out. Well, they got two guys getting back. We got two guys that are not blocking out anybody and they have a responsibility. And so uh, we had more guard rebounds at halftime than we did the entire game against TCU. TCU is elite on the offensive glass. They were third in the country going into our game. Oregon State is not that. But the responsibility of our guards to finish the possession. Our five is not going to block out their five and always get the ball. Our four is not always going to block out their four and get the ball. We've got to have our guards in there we want to get it to 15 that's our goal 15 guard rebounds and uh we had seven against tcu we ended up with 11 uh at oregon state we need to get it in the teens Mm -hmm. uh obviously some of that has to do with pace of play some of that has to do with their field goal percentage and we don't really count uh free throw miss rebounds as rebounds uh you have inside position and everybody standing still you should get all of those and if you don't it's a backbreaker but um, Marcus had four, that was his career high at Texas A&M and Q had four defensive rebounds, which was his career high, uh, excuse me, this year high yeah. for him. When we can get those guys, our true ball guards that are mostly going to be guarding someone who's getting back. That means those guys are in the fight. Mm-hmm. It means those guys are in the mix. It means they're in the vicinity Of the ball and I think that that's huge boots is an elite level rebounder for his size but he he's not gonna get every ball Henry is going to become that but he's not gonna get every ball Ethan had five offensive rebounds complete game changer career high for him at Texas A&M he had six rebounds uh, in his minutes Wow that that completely changes our team if you look at the five uh, I think Aaron played a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the five, the five minutes of those 40 minutes, 38 of them were played by Henry or by Ethan. And now if you look at that line, wow, that significantly helps our team. And now when Henry's at the five and Ethan's on the bench, now H played 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. And now H changes us offensively. We have a different look uh, in regards to how he has to be guarded. He's not going to get a lot, but he's going to do his job every single time. And that's what we've got to get to. When, you, when the opponent shoots, we need 100% of those five guys doing their job. And then on the offensive end, we didn't play with three go-gets all the time because when we were small, we were playing with only two go-gets. But now all of a sudden, if you're playing with three – And uh, Ethan, Henry, and Boots are on the floor together. All of those guys, when Texas A&M shoots, they all have a responsibility to go get. Well, that means we have two get-back guys. Well, when one of those two shoot it, when Q shoots it, Marcus is the only guy getting back. Okay, Marcus, you you have to be 100% on those possessions as a get-back. But now when Q shoots it, and now we have three guys chasing after it, that changed our team. We had 15 offensive rebounds. And two of those 15 were team offensive rebounds. It means it's not clean, but we've got three guys putting pressure on the rim, and the ball's bobbled, it's tipped, and it's out of bounds, and it's still our ball. those uh, That's why we shot 14 more balls. That's... That's huge. That's huge, just when you're just talking about the rebounding specific part of it.
2: It was an 83-73 win in Corvallis. Aggies are now 8-2, and and they'll take on Northwestern State tomorrow at Reed at 5 o'clock. Much more of the Buzz Williams Show to come. Stay with us. This is Aggie Basketball from Learfield. I'd like to thank the Texas A&M Student Athlete Advisory Council and Frontier donating toys to children in need this holiday season. For all of you who brought a new unwrapped toy to the Texas A&M men's and women's basketball games at Reed, thank you. If you'd like more information, visit 12thman.com slash toy drive for full details. This is the Buzz Williams Show. We are at Rudy's, the Aggies, taking on Northwestern State. That will be tomorrow, 4.30, for our Dos tip-off show, Dr. John Thornton and me, and then 5 o'clock is the tip between the Aggies and the Demons, which brings me to my next topic. Dr. Thornton and I got a chance uh, before the game. We looked across the floor. You had an opportunity to be in the stands talking with Coach Tinkle. Yep. Coach Mike's coming in. You, get that, you don't always get an opportunity in the season to talk with other coaches. You took full advantage before and after the game to, to talk with Coach Tinkle, didn't you?
1: If, if I can learn from anybody, I'm going to take advantage of it. <laughs> Everybody is a teacher in my lens. You know, um, Coach McConathy hired me when he became the head coach at Northwestern State. And so I was with Coach... In his first season as the head coach there, uh, now he's in his 23rd season. There's not a better human being in the country that's employed as a head basketball coach than Coach Mack. Uh, He is the best servant-hearted leader I have ever seen. Um, He's the all-time winningest coach in college in Louisiana. He is uh, Pat Henry-like. In regards to how many Hall of Fames that he's in. He, uh, he was the head coach at Bozier Parish Community College for 17 years. And uh, is the all-time winningest coach there. And then uh, when he was 43 is when he was hired as the head coach at Northwestern. That was in 1999 when he hired me. So uh, Steve Rockefeller mm-hmm. who's on our staff who was the first college coach that I ever met. Northwestern State interviewed two coaches. They interviewed Rock, and they interviewed Coach Mack. I was at a Division II school, Texas A&M Kingsville, in the 98-99 season, and Rock told me if he got the job, he would hire me. The morning of the press conference, Rock had been told he was going to become the next head coach. And then two hours later, something changed. And Rock called me and said, they're not hiring me. And I said, who are they going to hire? He said, they're going to hire Mike McConaughey, the head coach at Bozier Parish Community College. And I said, oh, I was 20, I was 26. And I said, well, what am I going to do? selfishly, because I'm so immature, he's crushed that he didn't get a chance to be a head coach. He said, I'm going to call him right now. So rock, who thought he was going to be the head coach in six hours called coach Mack. Coach Mack called me and said, rock told me he was going to hire you. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, okay, I'll hire you. I didn't interview for the job. I had never been there. I didn't know anything, and uh, he hired me, and I worked for Coach Mack his first year there, the 99-2000 season. Corey and I got engaged in September of 99, scheduled to be married in June of 2000. In February of 2000, I bought our first home. It was going to be the home that we lived in as a married couple. I bought the home and the down payment on the home was my first season at UT Arlington. I was the restricted earnings coach. Every restricted earnings coach in every sport filed a class action lawsuit. It took six years and I received $11,225 six years later, and that was the down payment on our first home. 18 days before our wedding, Coach Lair, who's on my staff, hired me at Colorado State. I go to tell Coach McConathy, the head coach at Northwestern State, "Hey, Coach, Coach Lair at Colorado State just offered me the job." He goes, "Well, you need to get going." He said, "Who do you want me to hire to replace, your, replace you?" I said, "I think you should hire Mark Schlesinger." He said, "Who is that?" I said, "He's the head coach of a junior college in Arizona." He goes, call him and tell him he's got the job. So I called Slash and said, hey, Slash, I'm leaving. Nobody knows. And you got my job. He said, what do you need me to do? I said, no, that there, you need to pack your stuff. He goes, well, I need to talk to the coach. I need to interview. I need to send you something. No, it's your job. Slash is now the head coach at the University of New Orleans. And the head coach at Texas A&M Kingsville was the graduate assistant I hired at Kingsville who was Slash's assistant at the junior college. So I was telling Corey before we came over here, I know I'm being a little too long winded and she's huffing, but it's amazing how blessed God has orchestrated the steps and the stops of my life. I've been gone 22 seasons. And 23 seasons ago, I was a Division II assistant. 22 seasons ago, I was hired by someone I didn't know without an interview to be a Division I assistant. And in those 22 seasons, I've been a head coach at 15, 15 of those 22 seasons. And I've been a head coach at four different schools. And Coach Lair, who I work for, I tell tell him every time, if Coach Mack wants to play and it works in our schedule, we're playing him because I used to be an assistant having to do that schedule, trying to raise all of that money, and it is so humbling to my soul to think of all of the things that have transpired from the day that he hired me through tomorrow when we play. Uh, it's and, and to see the things that he has done, not just uh, he's won f- 400 and something games there, but to see how he has helped change so many lives, the players, the managers, the trainers, the assistant coaches. He's had four guys work for him at Northwestern State who went on to become Division One head coaches. Like his head coaching tree from Northwestern State uh, is, is 90,000 times better than any other low major head coach in the country.
2: And he will be at Reed Arena tomorrow. It will be a 5 o'clock tip between the Aggies and Northwestern State. More of the Buzz Williams Show to come from Rudy. Stay with us. This is Aggie basketball from Learfield. We continue with the Buzz Williams Show here at Rudy's. Your SEC Freshman of the Week is the Aggies' Wade Taylor IV. All he did in his 16 minutes of work is go 7 of 9 from the floor, including 5 of 6 beyond the arc, had a couple of rebounds, four assists, only one turnover, and a couple of steals. In those 16 minutes, he is the SEC Freshman of the Week, leading the Aggies to an 8-2 start, and most recently the 83-73 win over Oregon State on Saturday with head coach Buzz Williams. Always joins us after every game. And you mentioned something, and I did want to ask you then, because I knew I had tonight to ask you, what's a home run turnover?
1: Yeah. uh, High risk, high reward. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Forcing something that's not there, but one out of 15 times. Wanting – a sports center highlight if everything goes perfect it'll work, but too many variables uh to predict we, we we need you know like uh we had eleven turnovers, good teams relative to their pace of play uh you know you going into the game, we were turning the ball over at a twenty percent rate that's too high it, it it's not. Always the number of turnovers. It is the number, but it's more the percentage because uh, if you play Notre Dame or Wisconsin or Virginia, you you may get into a 60 possession game. We kind of want to play a 70 possession game. So eight turnovers in the first half, that's still a little too high. Three turnovers in the second half, dramatic shift. That's a low turnover rate. And then getting extra possessions on the offensive glass, and then not giving them extra possessions on the offensive glass, all of those are tied together and then one of the things uh, that we did last week in a concentration thing, and we we just did it right before I came here It was the last thing we did in practice today in, in other words, um, you remember in year one um, three stops in a row as a turkey. Mm -hmm. Early in my career, uh, at Virginia Tech, we would do three scores in a row as a heat, like we're on fire. Mm -hmm. And then in year one here, it was, did we get a shot? And then on the other end, did we get a stop? And then did we finish that possession with a defensive rebound? Because it's technically not a stop until you get the rebound. And how many of those did we get? We got a shot. We got a stop. We got a rebound. Against TCU, 18 turnovers. Way too high of a turnover rate. But 14 of the 18 were live ball. And then of the 14, they scored 10 of the 14. That's really hard math to overcome. Mm -hmm. So now uh, our guys are better at it. Uh, We've done it four times since TCU. But uh, Andrew's team has it, and he's going against Ian's team. There's Andrew on offense, Ian's team on defense. Andrew misses it. Ian's team gets the rebound. Now we're going the other way. Ian's team's on offense. Andrew's team is on defense. But anytime I blow the whistle, in the middle of the possession, when I blow the whistle, we're acting like that was a live ball turnover. Mm. So start over. Andrew's team has it. They're running offense against Ian's team. I blow the whistle. And when I blow the whistle, I'm throwing the ball to Ian's team. And whoever on Andrew's team has it, when I blew the whistle, just literally throw it up in the stands and now play from right there where it's broken floor Mm -hmm. and the house is burning down where we're bleeding, who can stop the bleeding? And we have practiced now Ian's team is going in transition because Andrew's team just turned it over. And can Andrew's team get their defense set and get a stop? So we practiced that prior to the Oregon State game. We only had 11 turnovers. Good. But only five of those 11 were live ball. Even better. Then of the five live ball turnovers, they only scored once. Hmm. That's, that's huge. That game within the game, on a live ball turnover – They shot 20%. I don't know how realistic that is, but I was telling our guys at halftime, and I mentioned it to them after the game, the concentration level of our response on that turnover was significantly better. Instead of a turnover against TCU, negative body language, a pause going, oh, I don't know. Yeah, nobody knows. There's a huge problem. Who can help us solve the problem? We need all of us working as if the house is on fire. And what can you do to help us put the flame out? And we have practiced that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's going to be a, a big portion. Can we limit our turnover? Can we get the percentage, our turnover percentage down? But when it is a turnover, we would rather it be I just threw it off my leg and now it's a spot throw in it's a dead ball turnover Mm -hmm. but if it's a live ball turnover our alert our awareness has to our antennas have got to be pointing to the north pole like hey we've got to figure out how to get a stop and i thought that was big you know we we force more turnovers percentage-wise than we've been having that's really helped our defense. I think they had 21 turnovers, mm-hmm. uh, or that maybe they had 20. 20. Mm-hmm. They had 20. Um, that's, that's, that's elite. I think we're top 10 in the country in turnover percentage forced. But on the flip side, we when we turn it over, we need to slow it down, but when we turn it over, we can't give up a one pass or a zero pass transition basket because we just were discombobulated. It's a momentum changer, too. It's it's huge because you you don't get a shot, so you don't get a chance to be fouled. You don't have a chance to get an offensive rebound. And they are probably shooting at a 70% clip. So it hurts you on both ends. And, like, one of the things that Rock was doing in the game that I asked him to do was I want to know at the timeouts, I need to be better aware. It wasn't Rock's fault. I just asked him to help me with it. Like, I need to know how many fouls do we have and how many fouls do they have because we need to get to the bonus first. Mm -hmm. And I want our guys to know, hey, two more fouls and we're shooting free throws. And we have to, um, in other words, uh, half court, everybody, you know, if, if we're defending the south basket, okay, well, if the ball's in the, other half in the north side it's in the front court we can never foul in the front court and then after half court there's a a eight foot space that we call the blue zone from the front court all the way to the blue zone we never want to foul and like against TCU they got to the bonus both halves but too high of a percentage our fouls were happening above the blue zone no, we, we can't do that. And that was, uh, I understand we shot the ball better, but they didn't shoot their, they shot zero free throws in the first half. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it was because of what Rock was doing, but it became more of an emphasis. Guys, we can't foul, but I want you to know when we're getting fouled and we get fouled when we're playing straight. If you're writing in cursive and dribbling the ball all over the place, you're not going to get fouled. But if you're driving straight, you're going to get fouled. And I thought that that was a big part. We shot 15 free throws. Mm-hmm. I think they ended up shooting 12. They shot a higher percentage. but they some of those free throws uh, four supposedly fouled the corner shooter. Uh, Dre fouled the corner shooter uh, in transition. that was six of the that was six of their 12 makes, I believe. Um, I, I think that's a big part of it.
2: He's Buzz Williams, and this is the Buzz Williams Show, and Ian's question is next. Straight ahead, this is Aggie basketball from Learfield. Basketball and barbecue lovers know the perfect brisket needs the right wood, and Rudy's smokes all their meat using their delicious signature rubs and 100% oak-fired pits. Get your real Texas barbecue fix today at Rudy's or on the web at Rudy's.com. We are at Rudy's 504 Harvey Road here in College Station. It's the home of the Buzz at Williams Show. And when we come back, Ian's question for Buzz, that's when we return. This is Aggie basketball from Learfield. Not everyone is a morning person. Yet, but with Costa Vita's new breakfast tacos, everyone will be. Try our bacon, egg, and cheese, or specialties like the machaca beef and egg, or sweet pork, egg, and cheese. Stop by our drive-through any day from 7 to 10:30 a.m. Order online through the Costa Vita app or through the website. Become a morning person at Costa Vita. This is the Buzz Williams Show, and we are at Rudy's, 504 Harvey Road, here in College Station. So glad that you have stayed with us, Aggies, Northwestern State tomorrow, five o'clock at Reed Arena. 4:30. It's a ugly sweater hat giveaway. We're finally giving those away. We gave them away at Unity House, but uh, fans can now get them tomorrow at the oh, game. Oh, I know what I you're sweater? talking about. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're being given away. Yeah, good. Looking, looking forward to that. Question from Ian, Coach. What do you do to avoid burnout? <laughs> Did someone say, oh, wow, over there?
1: Yeah, that was my <laughs> daughter. I could hear her voice through my headphones. Ian, you, 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 are, you have great wisdom for someone your age because you ask really thoughtful questions. That's the best question you've ever asked. Uh, I'm not good at it. And uh, if I were to be transparent, and I've always been that way with you, uh, I struggle a lot with it. Um, and a part of it is, is now my children are as old as the children that I coach. And so I've struggled more and more with it over the last four to five years. Uh, My wife is a great sounding board. Uh, She completely knows who I am and what I struggle with. And so she talks to me about it in the right way and has clever ideas on how I can help myself. But what I'm realizing as I get older is, you know, when my children were young, uh, you know, they're just little. And so I'm living a dream bigger than any that I ever had. And now, half of the population of my children are gone to college, and I'm convicted that I've spent more time with other people's children than I have mine. And early in my career, to some degree, I was chasing things in a selfish nature chasing winning, chasing the exposure, chasing. Uh, from an ego standpoint, all of the things uh, that are not necessarily right. And now that I'm older, a lot of the things that I was chasing, uh, it would be like looking at a box score. I used to think that how many points you scored was really important. And now I look at it and, and think, yeah, turnovers and defensive rebounding are more important. I think that's part of the evolution of me growing up I think that's part of me trying to be a better husband, trying to be a better dad. Uh, But this is a hard job. It's a fun job. It's not the most important job in the world. But if you're going to be good at it, you have to work at it a lot. And you have to work at it a lot every day. And it's so much more than just drawing up a play. The drawing up a play is probably 10 to 15% of it. And so uh, I never thought that I would coach all my life. And I don't know how much longer I will coach, but I am, whatever the answer to that question is, I'm going to have to be better at figuring out how I can handle the pace of what I do on a daily basis. Because uh, I've been a coach since I was 21 years old. This is my 28th season in college. And 15 of those seasons have now been a head coach. And 14 of those seasons, 14 consecutive have been what I think is the best league in college basketball. And to do anything 14 years in a row, I used to define success differently than I would now. But success uh, has to always include the word time. Because anybody can do something for a year. Anybody can do something for five years. But when you start having to do something for 14 years and do it well, that, that is hard. It's hard on you emotionally. It's hard on you mentally. I've gotten a lot better at taking care of my body from a physical standpoint. I've done better at feeding myself the right things mentally, spiritually. I think that that all helps. But um, in this world, with the exposure of this job, I have said this over the last six months. I've never said it publicly. I'll say it to you. There will be more coaches hired, fired, and retired in college athletics over the next five years than any 10 year period in the history of college athletics. And it's because it's all consuming and you can say, oh, we'll just turn it off. Not if you're going to be good or let's take a month off or let's take two weeks off and go on vacation. It doesn't work like that. The longest my kids have ever been on a vacation with me is five days. And day one, it takes me a long time to slow down, and by day five, hey, I need to go back to work, so it's really three days so whatever the answer is uh, on how long I coach, I need to answer that question better than I just did because that question is real life stuff.
2: How do you tell the twenty one year old coach who's just getting in to balance
1: yeah they you can't right because uh, they won't listen it, it's just like it's just like all of the old people used to tell me enjoy your kids it goes by really fast and i'll be like oh yeah it does and i'm gonna get to them but you know right now uh, sissy's in third grade and bubba's in second grade and mason's in preschool and baby can't even walk oh i got it and now all of a sudden they're 20 19 15 and mason's about to be 16 and baby's about to be a teenager and sissy you know i, I took the road game picture with sissy uh sissy is only still here because of the pandemic and she's moving on New Year's Eve. Well, she's an adult now. She's she's ready to go do her thing. Bubba's in college. He's ready to go do his thing, as they should. But now all of a sudden, the the culmination of what I'm talking about, along with the wear and tear of what this job requires, you know, it's it's hard. Uh, I hired Rock, Rock's my best friend, uh, and when it comes to that question, The two people that have my ear and can bend me the right way are Rock and my wife, because otherwise I would just I probably still wouldn't be coaching. If I were to be frank with you,
2: you've adjusted and you've adapted because of the pandemic and COVID for other players. You have to do it for yourself, too, don't you?
1: Yeah. And and then as you adjust for the players, you're also adjusting for the staff. And as you're adjusting for the staff and the players, that means you're adjusting for the program and. Uh, you you still have to practice and you still have to prepare for practice and you still have to have games and you still have to prepare for games and and you still have to do the radio show and you still have to recruit. And so they're like, oh, just just take a break. Uh, uh, I will. When? What day? What hour? And the break is, well, you know, like uh, I started exercising uh, seven, eight years ago. If I wouldn't have done that, I don't think I'd still be coaching. And now I have to do that. It doesn't matter. It. I thought it was selfish initially, and now I'm like, no, it's really unselfish, because if I can't take care of my health, then I got no shot at this. But even taking care of my health, all of the things, it's just happening at a fast rate, and I'm not complaining. I'm living a life better than any I've ever dreamed, paid way more than I should be paid, have all the perks that you can imagine, and I'm not saying I'm deserving of any of that. But having said all of that, what comes with it and what's required of it, um, over time, it, it does grind you up. It's fun. I love it. I love kids. I love to compete, et I'm not. I'm not being negative. I'm just being truthful within.
2: Is it why you've almost set up the football coaching staff, your special teams coach, your well, offensive team? I can't. Defense? I
1: can't. I, I want Lyle and TJ to study offense all day, forever. I want Devin and Rock and Lair study defense all day, forever. I want Vince to study the opponent all day, forever. You can't do all of it. And you have to allow them to coach. You have to allow them to grow. You have to give them ownership. And so much of coaching now In my opinion is energy and spirit it ain't a play because if their energy and spirit are wrong or not the best they can be then the play's impact is much smaller and that's similar to what i was saying about the box score i used to think i can draw up this out of bounds i can still draw up an out of bounds play but there's so much that goes into it before that and it's the same thing on this job and this question from ian Like, hey, Buzz, you got a free car and this and that and all this and your own radio show and this and that. I understand. But as I tell our players, I would tell anybody this. With blessing comes responsibility. And that responsibility is a personal responsibility to those blessings. You can't just receive all of the blessings and then dodge or delegate the responsibility. No. When the game's over, I have to talk to Monaco and Thornton. When the game's over, I have to talk to the print media. When the game's over, this parent wants to talk. When the game's over, this AAU coach wants to talk. When the game's over, this player needs this. That's not stopping. And it's the same thing with practice. It's the same thing. It's, it's what comes with it. And that's why when you look at – that's why I'm going to talk to Coach Tinkle. He's been at Oregon State eight years. Whoa, that's a long time. He went to the Elite Eight last year and is returning five players. And when I'm talking to him, they're one and nine. you yeah, I want to talk to him. He's got something he can teach me. Tomorrow, Coach Max has been at Northwestern State playing seven guaranteed games a year for now his 23rd season. And he's still there. Y'all yeah, want to talk to him. He's got something he can teach me. He, he he has a winning record in conference play, but his overall record is losing because every year he's going to play seven guarantee games. But if you Wikipedia him and you look at him and you go, oh, he's not that good. Oh, no, he's one of the best ever. And that's my point. You wouldn't know that unless you walk a mile in a man's shoes. So what it seems like, there's always more to it. There, there's layers to it. And I'm not complaining about the layers, but to live in those layers on a daily basis over and over and over, it's not about the money. It's not about the – all of that's gone away because it's bigger and better than anything ever. 22 years ago, I was the assistant at Northwestern State making $27,000. And only because Rock didn't get the job did I get the job. Oh, wow. Who, who am I to have ever thought, oh, you're going to coach here and coach there? Yeah, that's not me. And so the the pace at which I've chased this, now approaching 49, I understand. You, th- that, that's why when you see all of these coaches, it, does, it has nothing to do with sport. Like Gary Blair, there's no more Gary Blairs, ever. There's no more. They're, they're not coming from my generation. The, the, you can't do that anymore and so yeah i could talk about i could i could write a book about this
2: maybe that's what's next
1: well i talked to a lot of authors about this topic i've read every book on this and literally a author is texting me yesterday about this topic because it's real
2: last segment of the buzz williams show upcoming stay with us this is aggie basketball from learfield This is the final segment of the Buzz Williams Show. The Aggies in Northwestern State tomorrow. That will be at 5 o'clock, 4.30 with our Dos Equis tip-off show. It is our final segment. We're running out of time, but got to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And we're not back until the show. We'll see you for games, but the show. Merry Christmas to you and your gorgeous family. Happy New Year as well to you as This well.
1: will be the longest uh, Christmas break I've had uh, in basketball. We get four days off. Wow. Uh, and tomorrow's really important. But I'm really excited that I get to be with my family for four days because um, normally it's two and a half. On occasion, it's been three. This is the first time in my career that we are not practicing on Christmas. So, yeah, Merry Christmas. If you're listening, thank you. Happy New Year. Blessings. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.
2: He is Buzz Williams. This has been the Buzz Williams Show from Rudy's 504 Harvey Road. For Abby Klatt, our producer. For Kevin Menchow, our engineer. For head coach Buzz Williams, I'm Andrew Monaco. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow from Reed Arena. This is Aggie basketball from Learfield.
3: Live from Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue on Harvey Road in College Station. This has been the Buzz Williams Show. Presented by Bud Light. It's for the fans. And by Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. Visit Rudy's.com to find real Texas barbecue near you. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Texas A&M Sports Network.